Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Before we get to the message, I want to encourage all of you who live locally to go online and sign up for one of our backyard barbecues this summer. Oaks Barbecues are your best opportunity to meet and make new friends at Oaks Church. To see all the available groups and sign up, visit oakschurch.com forward slash groups. Now, let's check out today's message. Today we're launching a brand new series. I'm going uh, I'm gonna speak or teach a little shorter today because we've got some vision to cast at the end and I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to understand exactly what's going on and some of the exciting things that God is doing for Oaks Church. But today we're launching a brand new series called Tell Me More, and this is a series that's all about relationships, okay? So uh, we're going to do a a week on friendships, we're going to do a week on parenting, a week on marriage, all types of different things that we as the people of God need to know about and need to be well-versed in. We as the people of God, we are a part of the family of God, and so that's where we're going to start today is talking about the family of God and the position that God has given us through faith in Jesus Christ in his own family. I don't know how you grew up. Um, I had the most amazing parents, Ken and Jean Scrivener. They're watching right now online. They're my biggest fans, and they've been my support structure for all of my life. The greatest privilege, the greatest strength that I have in my life is that I came from two parents that loved God and loved each other and stayed together through thick and thin and invested in us Invested in our belief system. The, the family, and this is what we all need to understand, the family is our foundation. God's design of a family, it's about the foundation for our lives. And the things that I was able to do, the, 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 I can literally, I could go on and on and on and talk about the things that Ken Scribner said to me and the quotes that he gave me and the things that he spoke into my life that Gene Scribner would say over me and, and call me things and speak to the favor, tell me what God was doing. Even when I didn't want to hear it, parents, you have such a powerful prophetic voice that you speak over the lives of your children Your words and your faith literally build a foundation for the future of their faith and the things that God wants to do in them. It was my mom telling me over and over and over again about the prophecy that was spoken in San Diego, California when she wasn't, uh, when when she was expecting this little baby boy that was not planned. It was the, I was the whoops. Guys, I was the 10-year whoops, and and they didn't plan for me. They thought it was over. They thought it was done. I've got an older brother and sister that are 11 and 12 years older, and they were finished, but they didn't figure out what caused it, apparently, and whoops, Joel happened. Well, then Joel is in mommy's stomach and not doing well, and they go to their church, and one of the prophetic members of their church laid hands on my mom and began to speak this prophetic word about a baby that hadn't even been born. And my mom haunted me with that prophetic word because it was about doing ministry and it was about being a man of God that would raise up an army of people that would take great territory for God and do great exploits for God's kingdom. And and she would tell me this over and over and over and I would say, no, 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 I want to be a businessman. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a pastor. Pastors can't have any fun. That's what I thought in my 
life growing up, and so I didn't want this, and I said no for 20-something years until I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and the foundation of faith that my mother had spoken over me, my father had spoken over me, all of a sudden came to a place of birthing this faith in me, and I knew I was at the top of my game in my career. I was, I was doing so many great things, and I was totally happy, and I had big plans for what I wanted to accomplish, and I swear I woke up on the wrong side of the bed one morning and said out of my own mouth, I'll never never be satisfied unless I'm in full-time ministry. What did you just say? And, and, and within six months, I walked from my career, and, and people thought I was absolutely nuts, and I took a job as an intern. I went from being the guy with my feet on the desk, snapping my fingers and bossing people around and signing autographs and all this kind of stuff, to being an intern, cleaning out dirty refrigerators and selling candy to kids out of a broken candy machine. They called me Candy Boy, literally. That's what they called me. Brandon was one of those kids. Stephen was one of those. Taylor's one of those kids selling candy to these kids, trying to manipulate me to give them free candy. No. But it's this foundation of faith that my parents instilled in me to understand who I was. And I, I, I can never take that for granted, y'all. And I can never take for granted that I'm surrounded by people in this room that maybe didn't have that. Maybe didn't have two parents. Maybe, maybe you didn't have parents that had incredible faith. Maybe you didn't have that type of a, of a you, you may not have had that. And, and I don't want to ever take for granted what I received, but also as a parent, it's the number one most important thing for me to make sure that Jennifer and I stay strong because I want my kids to have that foundation. I want them to have that foundation of faith. And it's something that's so important to me. So whether or not, you had a similar upbringing or a similar experience, the most beautiful thing is that if you, because here's the reality, God knew that some people, it's just the truth, I'm, just going, I'm about to say something that's a little raw, some people are just born bad. They're born to deadbeat parents. They didn't have what I had. And they're at a disadvantage. Born into bad situations, born out of bad decisions. But you know what the beautiful thing is that we have this family that God has created. And no matter how you were born, you can be born again. And you can come into a brand new family. And the picture that Jesus Christ released to us when he came on the scene is the picture of a family that existed that's greater than your earthly family. See, I know just as many people that came from great families that, that went off the path and destroyed and ruined everything. And I know people that came from bad situations and didn't have that family structure, but came into a relationship with the creator of the universe, and God woke something up inside of them and aligned them with who they truly were and welcomed them into a family, the family of God. See, God chose each and every one of you, and he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you're going to go through. Nothing surprised him. And those of you, I mean, our two daughters, Sydney and Blakely, were born into very different times in our family. Sydney was born just a year or so after our daughter died, and Jennifer and I were in a very, very dark place. 
Blakely was born in a very happy, fun season of our lives, and they have different personalities, and they have different tenacities. And di- there, there is no one tougher than Sydney. Sydney's a tough little cookie. She had to be, because she was born into a war zone, where, you know, with Jennifer and I in our marriage at that time, having just lost our firstborn baby to brain cancer. And so Sid's a tough cookie, and God knew exactly what he needed to place inside of her life to help her to get through and thrive. Blakely was born differently into a different season. She has different gifts, different abilities. Nothing surprises God. Nothing surprises him. Whether you had a great easy or, I mean, I'm telling you, my whole life, I would say, I've never had a bad day in my whole life. Everything's always gone right for me. I've always found a way to win. I've always found a way to come out on top. I'm like a cat, nine lives, laying on my feet somehow. I mean, that was my experience. But the pain and the suffering and the struggle for me came way later in life in the things I had to walk through and endure. Some people, they start off in conflict and adversity. It's a, different, it's a different walk for everybody. But the beautiful thing is that God is the one who chooses you to be a part of his family. It says in 1 Peter 2.9 that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. God has chosen you. He chose you. But the truth is that we also have to choose him. Because we have this thing called free will. And if you want to, you can completely reject God. And he has given you that ability because he doesn't want robots. He wants real love. He wants people to choose to love him and choose to worship him. He could just as easily have made you with no free will and you had to obey him or, 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 or else. But the reality is that we get to choose. And this is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as receive him, to them he gave, watch, the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. You have been given the right to choose to become children of God and come into his family. And I want to say this statement to you. You were adopted by Abba. And I'm not speaking about that band from the 70s that sang all that music. You were adopted by Abba, watch this, for as many, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 14. This is one of the most formative verses. Romans chapter 8, if you don't read anything else in your Bible, read and memorize Romans chapter 8. It's potentially the most powerful passage in the entire Bible to help you understand who you are and what God has done and what he's birthed in you and what your hope is. Absolutely, if you've never read your Bible before, I command you to read Romans chapter 8 in Jesus' name and memorize it and get it in your spirit. It's such a powerful, powerful passage. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Say sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is the word for, in Hebrew and Aramaic, it's the word for daddy. It's a very intimate word. It's a loving word. It's an affectionate word. So you have received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Daddy, my loving Daddy Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together with him. I want to walk you through a couple different things because I want you to understand the position that you have been given inside of the family of God. First and foremost, I want to point out, and I mentioned just a second ago, that I had you say the word sons of God because there are two different distinctions inside of this passage that I just read to you. At one point it says, those who are led by the Spirit, they are 
They are called sons of God. That's a male reference. Later on it says that in that same passage that we have been given the spirit of adoption that we cry out, Abba, Father, and we are adopted into his family as children of God. It's a totally different word. So one word is a plural for children of all gender. The other is a singular word that's specifically speaking about a male position in the family. And it connects to the idea at the end of the sentence where it's speaking about a position as a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Now I'm making this point And I'm taking time with this because I want you to understand two specific principles today. Number one, that adoption is a very serious and different encounter when it comes to building a family and and specifically the family of God. See, I mentioned earlier that my parents didn't choose necessarily to have me. I was the whoops. I was the accident. Now it turned out well for them and they had the perfect golden child. I'm just joking. (laughs) But I was an accident. I was a whoops. When I was around seven or eight years of age, my parents made a decision to bring another child into our family. Her name was Jenny Lynn. And Jenny Lynn was abused in every way, shape, and form. She was a very damaged little girl. She was a very broken little girl. And my parents made a decision to rescue a baby girl and bring a tornado into our family. They chose her. They picked her. Despite the dysfunction, despite the trauma, despite the chaos, Jenny Lynn, I mean, the sweet, sweet little girl, she was just so broken, so damaged. By the time she was three and my parents adopted her, she literally had been abused in every way you could possibly imagine. She was so broken. She had uh, developed um, what you would call psychologically as a dissociative disorder where she had no connection to morality or ethics or right and wrong. And, And it was a very chaotic time for our family. She was raised in the same household with my little sister and I. She was treated just as equal. We loved her as our as our sister. We embraced her as our sister. And at 13, pardon me, at 16 years of age, after 13 years in our family. To our sadness, Jenny Lynn decided that she wanted and needed to go live with her biological mom. And in a sense, she divorced our family and left our family and went out and literally destroyed her life. She was just so broken. Although she had been adopted, she could never receive the spirit of adoption. See, it's not a spirit of fear that we've been given. It's a spirit of of adoption that we've been given. And this, the pitfall of adoption is if you're too wrapped up in the natural realm of your, my bio parents, my natural experience, my natural history, and we as the people of God can be so wrapped up in the natural, our natural family, our natural situations, our natural problems, our natural experiences, that we don't ever fully accept the spirit of adoption, and we, although we're in the richest family in the universe, live in a place of internal lack because we don't accept the spirit of adoption and we don't understand the position we've been given in the family. The reason that I wanted to make a difference between the two words, the one word for a male son 
and the word for the children of all different genders is because it's about a position in the family. See, in this era, in this time when this verse was written, it was a time, we take for granted this whole thing of equal rights uh, for men and women, the whole thing of equal rights for different races and colors of people. We take it for granted. None of this existed in the world until Jesus. You understand this? There was no free, there was no equal rights. There was no freedom. Women were property, period. Bought and sold and traded, period. They didn't have rights anywhere in the world. And you can look across the globe and you can still see places in the world where women are horrifically treated. They're still property. They have no rights and no abilities to do anything outside of who owns them. And then Jesus. And everywhere where Jesus has had influence in the world, you see equal rights, you see freedom, you see the abolishment of slavery, you see incredible things through the freedom of Jesus Christ, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. But the position that we need to see about this verse is that those who are led by the Spirit are given the position of sons of God. This is a position in the family. It's a position of favor. It's not about your natural gender. This is about a spiritual adoption. And you have been called a co-heir with Christ. In this day and age, the girls didn't get an inheritance because the girls were given away. And whatever they received was in exchange for their family that they were connected to when they were sold as property. But the position you have in the kingdom no matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your background, no matter your family. Maybe you were born to a rich family. Maybe you were born to a poor family. Maybe you never met your family. It doesn't matter once you receive the spirit of adoption, you lack nothing. You have access to everything that your father has. We can't live in this place of, we can't live in this place of lack. You're a co-heir with Christ. You have been given, Jesus literally, it says in scripture, whoever overcomes will sit with him on his throne. Jesus moves over and makes room for you. You don't sit underneath Jesus, you sit next to Jesus. He has shared his entire inheritance with all of us equally. We are co-heirs. We have the position in the family as a firstborn male in God's family. The whole inheritance is yours. The whole inheritance is ours. We lack nothing. We're in the family of God. And this is what Jesus says. John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you will may be also. My point for that is that every family needs a home. Every family needs a home. We all have homes that we live in, or apartments, or houses, or whatever. Every family needs a home. That's a, a home is a place of security, a place of protection. And in the family of God, Jesus literally said that, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. We've been given the spirit of adoption, and he's preparing an eternal home for us. He has an eternal home. In his father's house, there's many mansions, and he's going to prepare a place for us. But I'm telling you.
We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.